Welcome to Kashras on the Air, your weekly radio show dealing with kosher issues for the kosher consumer, and I'm your host, Rabbi Yosef Wickler, editor of Kashras Magazine. And uh, tonight we're picking up on where we left off last time, which really was two weeks ago, because last week we, two weeks ago we had a problem with the station here, and we had to run our show, which we did two weeks ago, we ran it last week, so this is a continuation of last week, which we promised we would do, and uh, I just want to get anybody into it in case you ha- you weren't here last week, you weren't listening, so I want you to understand the topic. The topic is whether or not we could trust a person who possibly is not fulfilling all the mitzvot, can we trust him to do work that calls for a mashkiach. He's, he's officially a mashkiach. Now again, I don't know exactly how it was set up. This is only a, something that was written up. It appeared on a few things, uh, appeared on Yeshiva World News, and the original was, if you want to write it down, this is how you can find it, Whistleblower Pesach Program Need Serious Advice. Both are the introductory words. Whistleblower Pesach program needs serious advice. It's about a, a, a mesh. This is again. I don't know if it really ever happened, or if this is somebody made it up. But uh, this is how it was presented: that a mashkiach was working and very hard the first day on a job preparing for Pesach in a hotel, which you know. I mean, you don't know. I know is extremely hard work. They work a minimum of you know. 10, 11, 12 hours a day, or maybe even 9 hours a day, but it's like back-breaking work. It's constant, almost no breaks. It's a real, real, real job. First few days setting up the place is very, very difficult. And this was the first day, and they were doing Haggallah, they were organizing the kitchen, they were blowtorching the surfaces, etc. And it seemed to have been, the way it's explained, there were three mashkihim, and uh, this gentleman was the, one of the mashkihim, and there was a head mashkiach also, which who's responsible to the kashas organization or rabbi who was not on premises. And um, it seems that there were a number of problems, but the the one that sort of broke the the camel's back was the following. My biggest concern came after we were offered a very measly dinner, uh, after a very exhausting day of hard work. And the other two mashkichim left to go eat dinner at Chipotle, a non-kosher restaurant. Wow! Across the street. Given how hungry and disappointed they were about the dinner situation, they went to the non-kosher restaurant. They asked me to come along, which I did, since I thought they were joking, but was appalled when they actually sat down and ordered non-kosher chicken burritos Right in front of my face. And when the sole job that they were hired for was to maintain the cautious integrity of this Pesach program for the hundreds of Jewish guests, I was so afraid to say something to them, and I didn't know what to do. Immediately afterwards, I broke up from this group to call the program directors, telling them I quit, and I want to get paid for my day of hard work. And that's it starts the story, and that's where we went. And the problem was, of course, that these people, according to this gentleman, ate treif, and they were the mashkichim. Now, 
just to recap, just because it's another week and then maybe you didn't hear it and whatever. So just to recap slightly, what happened is that this mashkiach initially never told anybody about what he saw. He just wanted to get his money. He just wanted to leave and get his money, and he and he didn't want to get in trouble, and he didn't want to make. He, he just was scared to report it in any which way, so he didn't report it, and he's just arguing about his money and about his overworking, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and it never got reported, and that's why he went supposedly on the website, supposedly to try to get some people to advise him and what to do, and and supposedly what happened is that he spoke to his rov, and that the rov somehow got involved and. And hopefully things settle down. Me, what bothered me the most was the fact that this man knew firsthand seeing the mash the mashkichim eating treif, and then going back in there and not telling anybody. To me, that's like betraying the whole job you're hired for. So I, I, I mean, uh, you know, everybody else who's reading this thing thinks, "Wow, that mashgiach is great. He, he's, he, you know, he's turning them in, and he's gonna, he's gonna do something, and he, and he uh, feels bad, and he this and that, and he quit over it, whatever the thing is." But to me, he's not a good guy at all. I'm not saying I don't want if I beat him in the street, but I won't necessarily, you know, get I'm not going to talk to him about it. I don't know who he is or anything. But if we, if we knew this person. They tell them the first thing is, you got to tell. You know, it's, it's if you see something, it's got to say something. You can't just worry about yourself and your panosa and your and your money and, and how they treated you. You got the whole thing set up wrong. Your job is to be the mashkiah, and if you see the mashkiah that's working next to you is doing an avera, well, first of all, you got to worry about. You know, if you want to try that too. But if that's last week's Parsha. But if not, at least you got to report him because that's, that's the responsibility you took as a, as signing on as a mashkiach. When you see, if you would see, if you'd see the cook putting something not kosher in, wouldn't you tell the head mashkiach this stuff has to be thrown out? <laughs> so why are you letting these people still work there and you're just worried about getting paid? That was what bothered me the most, but all right, let's not go there. Let's go into the halacha itself. We have here, supposedly, I mean, it's purportedly, let's just, at least we'll work with what it said. We have two mashkichim, two out of three, who are not concerned about eating not kosher and still working at keeping the kosher of the of PESA program. I mean, is it possible to do the two things? Can, can we rely on them? When, when push comes to shove, can we rely on them? And that's the topic of tonight's little discussion. And we're going to learn some of the halachas together. And I promise you, you will hear things you never thought you would hear ever. You're going to hear amazing things. These set of halachas in Shulchan Aruch are just the greatest. What can I tell you? This is absolutely the most one of the most interesting areas that I've ever seen in my life. I remember from the days that I learned it straight, but now I was just looking it up for something for discussion for today, and I, 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 it's just tremendous. But before I go there, I want to share with you a couple of real-life situations which you can relate to, hopefully, and react to. And here's the first one. This happened 
after a Pesach program, I believe, but it could have been it wasn't a Pesach program. It could be it was a, a hotel or or a, it was a for regular Shabbos or something, or maybe it was a like a, 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 a restaurant. But I remember the conversation, and I believe it was Pesach. This gentleman I know goes away every year for Pesach, and when he comes back, the first thing he does is he runs to call me. <laughs> and I don't know if he, takes his, if he checks his hat and jacket off or whatever, but he, he runs to call me, uh, not, not, not the night, I mean, it's in the afternoon after he gets back. I get a call, uh, Sunday afternoon, whatever it was. <laughs> Rabbi Wickler, this is what happened this year. Every year he goes away. Every year he costs him a fortune. And every year he comes back with so many stories you can't believe. Every year. This year I, I, I wasn't impressed. I told him all the things were just complaints about the quality of life there. It didn't seem to be very much about Kashrus. It seemed to be about everything but Kashrus. He didn't like this. He didn't like I didn't hear any I didn't hear anything of Tachlis, so I didn't even worry about it. But one time I believe he he was he who came back, but it could have been somebody else and said to me you know, the rabbi who gives Ashkara, I saw the mashkich. There's a mashkich there with a torn t-shirt. I mean, what kind of a, a mashkich with a torn t-shirt? He looks like a, a, a you know, looks like a very uh, non-observant Jew. Maybe maybe they put a yarmulke on the guy, but it's he doesn't look like he even belongs there. He doesn't look, he doesn't look very religious. This is my mashkich? He had a complaint. They complain and complain and complain. So I always follow through. What can I do? That's that's my that's I I it's my unofficial job. Reality, it's not what I get paid for. I get paid for putting out a little magazine you can read fifty six pages, one hundred and fifty four pages, two hundred and fourteen pages. Talk about different ones I do. Two hundred forty one pages, different ones that I do in the course of the year, and and that's what you're buying. You're buying the magazine. You pay me for the magazine. You pay for the ad to the magazine. That's what I, that's what I make my panasa. But I'm drawn in to the most amazing things. I'll give you an example. Nothing to do with Kashrus. I'm mean, I'm now in the middle of a, if you if you listen to this show regularly, back of couple of months ago, we did a show about the, the Tefillin Awareness Program. The Tefillin Awareness Program, we did a, we did a front cover story about it. We, did a, we packed it in into Kashrus Magazine, all about it. And we did a great show here, too. I, wanted to ha- I want you to know how successful the show was. This, this show we did on, on the air here was so successful that the, the head of that organization went to a program, and they said, here's the check. Very nice check. A lot of zeros after it. I heard the show on J-Root, on Kashrus on the air. Here's a check. Very big check. Right? That, 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 that's what came from this show. I found out about it afterwards. But this, this program, I'm, I'm now involved with this gentleman in trying to get this into all the yeshivas in the country the details of which will have to come in the future. But I'm just telling you that almost all the yeshivas in the country, hopefully, will be utilizing the program of the Tefillin Awareness Project of Mr. Avram Shachter, who runs the program. It's, it's, it's in the works. And this week in Hamodia, they liked the story that I did. In Hamodia, they were doing a story about it. So you can look for the next Hamodia and see the Tefillin Awareness Program there. But this is the kind of thing we're involved in. So here's this, this, this fellow calls up, what about this rabbi 
who, who allows such a person to be Meshkia, how could he be responsible? He doesn't look like he knows anything. He doesn't look like he cares. With a torn t-shirt is all he's wearing. No, I don't see tzitzis. I don't see anything. I got a, he's got a yarmulke and a, and a torn t-shirt, and that's it. So I went to the rabbi. I said, what's, what's the story? He said, listen, I do kashvas. I don't do um, publicity. I don't do shows. I don't do it. I do kashvas. This mashkiach, I'd stand behind him any day. On kashvas, on his work, perfect. I don't care how he looks. doesn't bother me. I don't, but uh, tzitzis, I didn't ask him, but, but uh, you know, uh, maybe he does have tzitzis, maybe it's underneath, maybe it's needs it, where it look, comes out in the sides, I don't know, but whatever it was, it didn't seem that, that he, he didn't fit the mold, the mold of, of, of what you view as a mashkiach, with a, with a beard, with a, maybe a, a hat, sitting with a safer in front of him at the table, <laughs> whatever you imagine a mashkiach, he didn't seem to fit the bill, said, but I stand behind him, he's good at kashras. So that's you know that 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 makes sense. But here's another one. This one, I'm afraid to tell too much about it because I know I'm certainly not going to get drawn into it. But I, I I will tell you a little bit of it's part of it's you know not not for here. There's a meeting, a lot of big rabbis. That's as much as I'll say about the meeting. Meeting a lot of big rabbis, and the question came up. Can you use a conservative rabbi as a mashkiach? Can you use a conservative rabbi as a mashkiach? So one of the rabbis who was being asked this question said, out of town, maybe it's hard, maybe in New York I wouldn't do it, but out of town, some people say that Brooklyn is out of town now, because now that Lakewood's taking off, Brooklyn's out of town. But all right, out of town, s- s- somewhere somewhere out there, it's hard to get mashkichim. And if this rabbi is really an observant Jew, he keeps all the mitzvahs, he's just a rabbi in a conservative synagogue, this rabbi said, who was speaking, you could use him. Another rabbi spoke up, and he said, talked about it, about it. It could be that a person could be whatever. I was turned off. I couldn't believe it. You're going to allow a conservative rabbi. Now, I know what a conservative rabbi is. When I was a kid growing up, I knew my, one of the boys in yeshiva with me, his father was a conservative rabbi. And he was Shomer Torah Mitzvah's the father. I don't know, I'm not going to discuss what, whether you can be a Shomer Torah Mitzvah when you're davening in a conservative synagogue. I don't know if he davened there, he didn't daven there, the father, maybe faked out the Shemona I don't know what he did. But there's no question that he was part of that minion, etc. He did not let his kids go to synagogue. Don't come. That's an Orthodox Jew in a conservative synagogue. But that was way back when. Today, they don't exist. I don't know if there's anybody alive today who is a conservative rabbi in a conservative synagogue that's really orthodox, that's really Torah observant. Now, I'll tell you, some of the conservative rabbis are very observant uh, to, a, to an extent. To an extent, I spoke to one 
who is a who who has a an Arab in his town. He runs the Arab. And he tells me that uh, I run the Arab. I there's another Arab that some of the other synagogues have, the Orthodox ones. We don't tie into that. So we have our own Arab. I said, Who uses it in your synagogue? He said, There are only three or four people use it in my synagogue. But I have it, I have an Arab. And he's a sixth generation rabbi. Obviously, six generations ago, it wasn't conservative. And he may be an apicurus in my terms. I'm not saying anything positively. But he is observant. I tend to believe that except for the microphone, if that's an issue, and maybe something else, he doesn't ride. And he doesn't, uh, I mean, I assume that he is as close as we're going to come to maybe such a person. But make him a mashkiach under an orthodox hashkacha? Wouldn't it be crazy? We've got to be crazy. You can't do such a thing like that. That represents us. And, and do I know between Rabbi X and Rabbi X, we clerg- really should call them clergyman X and clergyman X. Should, sometimes it's a conservative rabbi is not a man. How... How can you possibly take a conservative rabbi and make him your mashkiach? I was flabbergasted. We made a little bit of a protest, but it didn't really go very far. Yes, there are many people who accept less than perfect as a mashkiach. But you ate treif? A person ate treif? Nobody. But nobody would call him a mashkiach. You can't possibly call him a mashkiach. But where did he draw the line? You saw him go. He ate something. Maybe his stomach hurt, and he was—he was a—he's a—he's in some danger if he doesn't eat right away. Oh yeah, no. How do you know then who is observant and who isn't, and what can you trust? Can you trust people? Can I trust a regular Jew? I don't know anything about him. He's just wearing a yarmulke and sitzes. I mean, the sitzes are out. The long ones, you know, the the two feet sitzes, two feet long sitzes that that. That, do, that go way below the knee, that's going close to the ankles, those tzitzis, he's wearing that. Can I trust him? I never saw him before. And and this one over here, whose who's yarmulke is not my type of yarmulke, and, 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 and I, I see he's not wearing tzitzis maybe, or whatever. Can I trust his kashas? Where, where do you draw the line? Where do you draw the line? That's what we're going to talk about today. There's a little bit anyway, okay? And another question comes up. If we're talking about whether we can trust somebody, what about the mashkiach who when they went around and checked and they saw his work, they said, you let through bugs. There are bugs on this lettuce. Does that mashkiach get fired? Is it one strike out? And you're out, or or can he have another shot at it? These are big questions. This is this is really where the action is in the Kashmir world, because we have that. We have mashgichim who are checking lettuce and whatever it is, and there's a super mashgich that goes around and checks on them. And when he sees that they don't do properly, what does he do? So some of them told me they send them back for retraining. Okay, but. He was trained before. He should have known. So some told me that 
if it's bad enough, we fire him. Because we can't. I mean, he was trained. He's not doing it. Oh, I'm very sorry. Oh, I must have made a mistake. It can't be that way. I'm buying from you. How could you? Everybody's coming to the store. How could you say I made a mistake? Who are you going to ask for? Ask Mechila from? Every single person who walked into the store? You can't do that. We got to draw the line somewhere. So sometimes I do fire him. I'm not saying all the all the hashgachos, but, but but there's some of them do fire him. Some of them don't put him on active duty again. In other words, he could be a bashkir, but not for the vegetables. If it's, if we have a restaurant that we we'll use uh, from one of the kashrus agencies that are prepackaged, okay, but but he we won't trust. And I would wonder about whether you can rely on the guy at all. But all right, that's another issue. All right, let's go. So now here's here's the topic. And again, there's another one more thing also. Um, would you say one strike and you're out? You give him another shot. I mean, this is the, these are the questions I think in the kashas field. Okay, so let's let's discuss a little bit what says in Shulchan Aruch. In Shulchan Aruch, there are two places basically kuf yud ches, uh, kuf yud tes in uh, in, in Yoridea, in Shulchan Aruch Yoridea, where it discusses this issue. It's based on the Gemara on a vodazaro test, but I'm not going to go into the Gemara today. It's an interesting Gemara, no question about it. And there are other Gemaras also, but today we'll just concentrate on the halakha itself because there are exciting things I'm going to share with you. Things that you never imagined, and you're going to walk away with appreciation and understanding of this question about who is suspect, what are they suspect for, and what could you trust them on, and, and is there such a thing as, and what about somebody you don't know anything about? Can you trust him? That's the topic. So let's just read a little bit of what it says in Simon Kuf Yud Tes. I'll read the Shulchan Aruch first, Sif Alf and Sif Base, and then I'll discuss some of the commentaries. Very interesting. And some of the Shiles and Shuvas that were asked. This, the topic is, If you question whether this person, you would suspect this person did not keep all the laws properly, then you can't trust the foods that he's giving you, serving you, etc. If a person is suspect of eating non-kosher foods, like in our case over here, we had this this this, this, this one witness claiming that two people did it. Whatever it was he ate, if it was something that was forbidden from the Torah or the Rabbanan, most of the candies and stuff like that, if it was not kosher, it's probably all the Rabbanan. It was probably bought the Barov, the Easter is bought the Barov, it's not Shishim, etc., etc., etc. There's definitely, uh, uh, there's changes of the, the, the ingredients have changed from the original source. So we, most of the things that you're selling in the stores, like the, the candies, etc., like that, probably Easter the Rabbanan. And of course, the Daraisa, you don't have to be a Chacham if you buy the Purdue chicken. <laughs> That's it. Uh, so if you ate, a person ate one of those things, in other words, I could eat in his house. If the guy drinks non-Jewish wines, I could eat in his house but I couldn't have wine. But I could have everything else. That's what it says in Shulchan Aruch. 
even though he's drinking non-kosher wines. And there are those who say, this is the Ramor now, that was the, before was the Shochan Aruchim. So he says, In other words, things that we, are, we suspect, like wine, meat, da 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 da, things like this, which are easily not kosher. So I can't buy, not even just from somebody who is suspect, but if I don't know that he's a frumiyid. A If I don't know if he's a Muxapakashra, says the Ramor, I can't buy from him. Miu in this But any Jew who invites you to the table, you could sit and eat with him. That's what it said in the times of the Ramor. It doesn't exist because you know that uh, to, be, to be aware of kashrus is sophisticated, and we have so many people that are not from anymore. You can't just take a Jew. If you see him with a yarmulke, we can't take a Jew and say, "Oh, I could eat with him." We have to be a little more sophisticated than that today, and we're going to discuss that issue a little later. But in the time of the Ramon, in 1567, he says, "If he's going to eat together with you." The assumption is he's serving, he's eating kosher, and you can eat, you can eat with him as well. How and an interesting thing from the Ramah, when the next one is amazing. The Meshuchan Aruch says in Siv Beis, "Im eno choshel lechol devarim asurim, avalu choshel lemachrum." If he doesn't eat treif, but he sells it, his store carries treif. Misareach etzlov oichelimo says the Meshuchan Aruch. You can sit and eat with him because the fact that he's in business selling not kosher doesn't mean he would take it home and eat it. And if he sends food to his house, he's going to send me food that he himself would eat. He knows knows it's uh, me, it's you, whatever it is, he's not going to send you treif. We could have a person in the in the non-kosher food business, and he, you could eat in his table. Says the Ramor, If he eats not kosher because he has a desire, oh, that looks, that smells good. You know, the pepperoni or whatever it is, he passes a store, ah, oh, he's in the mood. You know, uh, nothing kosher around here, so he goes in and buys it. That person, he's he's he says, lo mikre choshet, he's not considered to be suspect. That's a remor. So the remor seems very liberal. The remor says that if a, a person who you don't know at all, he says, uh, if, if, if you don't know that he's a, uh, you don't know that he is a muksak. So it's uh, you don't can't buy from him certain things, but you could sit and eat with him at his table. And he says, if a person eats treif because he desires, he has tivus, etc., you could you could uh, you could trust him. That that's only uh, you know he's he's not a chosher, he's not a suspect. That's what the Ramor says. Now now I'm going to discuss a little bit from the Darke Chuva, and these things are very interesting. Number one, what creates a person who is chosher, who is suspect? who we don't want to trust anymore. 
What what makes him that level? How many times does he have to do the Aveira? So what I'm going to tell you now is unbelievable. I, really, it's it's very strong. The Shach says, the Sifzai Kohen, the Shach, in the 1600s, he says that at one time, he's called a Chashat. If he did it once, then you have to suspect him that he's going to give you trafe. And uh, a lot of people pask in that way. He brings the, they bring here the, the Chayos and Shuvas Re'im, the Chayos and Shuvas Marival, the Knesset Gedoyla, Hagos Hatur, all of these, the, uh, the Mate Yosef, all these Svarim hold that one time only makes you a Choshut. And uh, this next one is, is very interesting. The Perach, it says, uh, Shals and Chuvis, it looks like Perach Mate, I'm not sure, Mate Aaron. He says like this, he was asked the question that a person drank Stam Yenum, wine from a goy, like we, you buy a Gallo wine, that's one of the companies, I don't know too many companies, Gallo wine, you buy Gallo wine in the store and he, and he drinks it and, uh, one time, and we saw that afterwards he made wine beheksher umochrel Israel. I don't know what the heksher is. I suppose it means that somebody was watching it or knew it or whatever it was, and he sells it to Jewish people. And for asu habestin hayayin, the bastin says that wine is not acceptable because one time you had stam yainam. You drank a, some gallo wine, and now we don't trust you for this wine that you made, even though it was made beheksher. I don't know what they again what heksher meant to him, but whatever it meant beheksher. And he sold it to the Jewish. He wants to sell it to the Jews. The basin says you can't trust him. Um, the and, and even though he says, "Oh no, 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 no," you know what happened? I, I love this when they, they say this. Listen to what the, this is what the Sefer says. This, he says, "You know what happened? No, no, no. You don't understand. It was just a one-time thing. I, I, I was mavulba. I was mixed up, or or big, uh, or else he says there was. Uh, uh, he, he said he said there was uh, some kind of uh, uh, at this particular time." He was confused, and he feels sorry about it. And the answer was, the Yayin Sha'asa Kodim Sha'asa Tshuva Kedas Asura. Whatever wine he made before, he really did Tshuva. Tshuva is an, oh, I'm sorry. That's not the Tshuva. Tshuva was a, a whole serious deal. The Rabbanim would say, you got to fast this many days. You got to give this much tzedakah. You got to come back to us. We got to ask you. Got to, you had to do a lot to do tshuva. You had to ask the rabban, and the rabban tells you what was required for this sin that you did, and then you do tshuva. But if he just says, "Oh, I'm sorry, it was a mistake. I didn't really think about it. He wasn't aware," he's not off. You can't use any of his wine until he does real tshuva, and then he makes new wine. The new wine you could trust. But the old one you can't. And that's it's a very strong statement that this safer is making. There's another one. It's called the uh, uh, this called uh Shas and Shuvas Chikrelev, Chikrelev. Uh 
where he has like this. He says, if it's a halacha, that is a, a, a question of kashras, that's doraisa, so then one time we suspect him. If it's a drabonin, then one time, first, only one time sinning, we don't, we don't consider him suspect. So he makes that distinction. So we see that many, many people say one time it makes him a chashud until such time as he does significant tshuva that's accepted. A very strong statement, and it seems to be a preponderance of in halacha of the, on this on this theory, which the Shach presents, and all these other people uh, discuss later on. Many many tshuvas about one time. So when this fellow who was hired and trained, and they found bugs on him, he should be fired. That's what I say. There's no such thing as I'm sorry. I wasn't looking. I went in. I was busy. My head was. I don't know. It was vitracht. I don't know what happened to me. I would say what happened to you is you. You really don't know what you're doing. And oh yeah, but I'm very careful. Oh, how do you do exactly? Oh yeah, I'm going to do that from now on. Oh no, no, no. I wouldn't trust him. I, I think he he proved himself already that he can't do it. That's what I would say. But again, I'm not in cautious. <laughs> you can find out yourself what other, what people are doing. N- now here's another one. What is called chashut? So very interesting. There's a sefer called the uh, Preto, are very well known. He says that there's two types of uh, there's basically two types of chashut. There's a chashut that the person in the time of Chazal, when Chazal were you know were, were in charge of all of our halachas. So Chazal, that's a, the time of the Mishnah and the Gemara, and Chazal said, if a person is an Amma Aretz, he is known to be an Amma Aretz. means that he's not educated, he hasn't become uh, what we call a Chaver, he hasn't been tested and, and, and known to observe the laws of Maisris, where Choshed him on Maiser, so the Amaharit status alone, even if we never him saw him do anything wrong, it puts a stamp on him that we can't accept him. We can't accept him because he is an Amaharit. And he and Chazal said, even if we never saw him do anything wrong, the fact that he is an Amaharit is enough reason to suspect that he's going to be lazy. He's not going to care about this halach. So that takes, this is very interesting because this takes into account a lot of types of people who mean well, they're nice people, but they don't know. Or it, even if they, you know, they pseudo know, but they don't really seem to care that very much. It doesn't really hurt them very much. They're not very excited about doing something wrong. They're going to fit into this category. Chazal said they don't have to necessarily see them do anything wrong. And then says the Chikri Lev that in another case, I'm sorry, the pre-Torah, that in another case, you have a person who is not an Amaretz. Hitaka is educated. But you saw that he did something wrong. So the fact that he's not an Amaretz doesn't matter. So even though the, the, the Chazal always said an Amaretz you can't trust, but it meant an Amaretz because of the nature of what an Amaretz is. But if you see somebody do something wrong, then that's it. In the case that we were starting with, he saw it. There's no question. Now, for him, there should be no question. He's one witness. 
the owner of the program or the rabbi, he would have to do further investigation. He could only hear a complaint from one person. That's not two witnesses. It's Lashon Hara. But that Lashon Hara is permitted to be told because we're trying to save the people from uh, from, from, from uh, conscious violations. So that, that ADIS has validity in the sense that uh, in, in in the sense that the uh, that the the rabbi has to be choshed, he can't go further, just and say, "Oh, you, you're not you're not acceptable, you're not acceptable." Maybe to fire them, whatever it is, but you got to investigate. And the truth of the matter is, in this particular case, the way it was reported, there was a camera, as in most places there is, and very possibly, if you got permission to look back on that camera. If you, if you got permission, and you're able to see, you'd see it yourself. And that that's as good as two witnesses. I mean, you, you know who those people are. You see them. And, and you see the meeting. Uh, you can't fool that. So that's, a, that's, that's how we do a lot of kashas today. We're using uh, cameras. So that's a very strong uh, statement. So we mentioned here that one time would make a chashat. And we mentioned that if a person, even if he wasn't chashat, uh, because he's, uh, he could be chashed because he's an Amaretz, even though you know, they didn't see anything, or you saw something and you and he wasn't an Amaretz. Now the Orach HaShulchan uh, says a very important thing. I have a whole piece in the Orach HaShulchan. I wish we had the time. Really, we should do another session on it, but I don't know if I'm going to bother you with it. it it's some fantastic, fantastic material. The Orach HaShulchan says, Klal gadol tzarich ladas shakol dino chashud shebesivze ubesharim makom shepoiskim and his karm begemara bechol ashas ain hakavas shenis kabel edus based in shazai ish avar veira zu it doesn't have to be says the orach hashulchan who lived in 1900 by the way say if it was printed in 1900 he says you don't have to be that somebody actually uh, brought it to based in and two people uh, brought witnesses. The Bechai Gavna, Gamla Edus Puzzle, that's 100%. You know, that's, that's slam dunk, that's no question. You don't need all that. He said, Afilu Choshud Ba'alma, Sheyatzalav Koyal Kala, Pasik, O Kala Delo Pasik. If you heard a bad, he's getting a bad rep. People are talking about him. That's enough to make him Choshud. Except that you can't believe him if he says it, etc. Okay. And, and, and there's a Maria Saad says an interesting thing. If you saw a person whose, the case was, I don't want to go through the whole case, but the case was that, that it was a non-Jew who was a very important personality. It seems, I think he was a uh, judge, he's a judge, and uh, he was he was a, he was important personality there. He was important in, char- in charge of the city, some of the responsibility of the city. And uh, he went ahead and he saw he claims that this Jew uh, did an avera. Could he be believed or not? That was an interesting question that Maria Saad raises over there. And he basically says, "No, you can't believe them." So it's hard to make somebody to take away somebody's edechad nevisurin. It's very hard to take it away. Yeah, we could be chayshid. We got to do further investigation. But just to remove his his acceptability because we think we heard it all, not necessarily. Now, the Orcha Shulchan 
brings the Rambam. And I, I ha- if I had the time, I would have gone through the whole Lorikashulchim and you. It's extraordinary. But he says that the Rambam says about the nemonis of a Jew in general. So let's say, for example, eating from his table with him. The Rambam says, what does it mean that a person is muchsapakashus? Of course, this is in the Rambam's time. I know it's so, if it's so easy now. Remember that in the 50s and 60s in America, almost all Jews ate kosher. And that my Rebbe, Rav Hashazim in Zatzal, who they just had an audit, the whole section on the Indian magazine about him this week in Hamodiyah, uh, the, the, the Rav Zimim in Zatzal used to say that if you see a mezuzah on the door, then you don't have to kasha your oven, because it was probably kosher. I mean, that's a strong statement, because that's the way Jews lived. They, they put a mezuzah on the door because they believed, and they kept kosher. Unfortunately, much of that has gone away. And even if you find a mezuzah on the door, the person may not be a Shammah Torah Mitzvah anymore. He may have a mezuzah. Who knows if there's a mezuzah in there? And who knows if there's a kosher mezuzah? So I don't think you should be so sure that if you have a mezuzah on the door, you could rely on it anymore. But that's what he said at that time. So the Rambam goes back to, you know, 10, 50, in the 1100s. So he says this, this way, that a mezuzah the meaning isn't that he has to be a Yerei, a Lokim, a Rabim, somebody that everybody says is a, a from a man, or a Chassid, or a Tzaddik. You don't need that. He says, Kol al pi das Yisrael. If he conducts himself like a good Jewish person. Maniach talis utfilin He puts on talis and tefillin davens three times a day. The and he washes his hands before he eats. Uman he gets bnei beso bekashvus, and he conducts his family bekashvus. So he says zen nikra muksa bekashvus. That's called acceptably kosher Jew. The yachol liyos shebeeza prat who choshed mipnei kalos hadaver beinav. It could be he's not. Careful about every little detail. But in, in other things, he's completely acceptable for kashvus. So that was the way it used to be. And it's just really not that way so easily today. But that was the way it was in the time of the Rambam. The Shach says, however, we could rely on on every Stam Yisrael, a Jew, and we know nothing about him. Afilu bi'isa daraisa, even if the question was a daraisa dekashayal of the Torah. K'moshe katabedakei Moshe. Damanig eno kedas harambim ele marzikin kol odam becheskes kashras. We today accept every Jew with a cheskes kashras. If we don't know anything, we could assume he was kosher Jew. That's an amazing statement that the Shach has. Call Stam Yisrael who becheskes kashvus v'neman afilu be'isa daraisa, except for shchita. Everything we could rely on him, except for shchita, because we have to know he's a mumchen shchita and he knows the halachas and he's been trained properly. But otherwise, a, a Jew, we could just make the assumptions that he's kosher. Now today, 
I think things have improved a lot since the last 20 years. I think that the shechitas are up to par. I think there's a lot of good things that are happening. There's a high-quality kashvah available all over. All the kashvah organizations, the main kashvah organizations in America, the main ones, the ones that are yadua, is acceptable, there's many of them, and they, they, they've reached a high standard. It's a very good time in history. It wasn't always that way. And if you remember, a bunch of years ago, we were more careful where you get your meat from. But da, 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 da. there's a lot of stories that went back way, way, way back. So today, Baruch Hashem, we're getting closer to that situation. But a lot of people don't know a thing about bugs. They don't know anything about bugs. Absolutely zero about bugs. I would say, my own personal opinion, is that today, unless you know that they know something about bugs, you have to assume they don't. They really don't. I'm not. I'm not talking about now uh, whether you agree with me on every one of the uh, every one of the fruits, every one of the berries. But I'm talking now about do they know anything about it? I had a woman called me up, and she said to me that she went ahead and she took a celery. I don't know if I mentioned it on the air. She took a celery and she rubbed it with some kind of thing. I don't know what she was rubbing it with, and she couldn't get it. She scraped it and tried to get off the surface and look underneath to see if she saw any bugs. I said to her, what are you talking about? She said, yeah, because I don't know where the bugs are. There could be bugs in the celery. I said, listen, you just have to see once what a trail of a leaf miner is. It's the simplest thing to see. You can't miss it. You just have to be shown once in a picture, in a book, in a somebody, a mashkiach show you. I mean, go on. If you can go online, you go online. If you can't, read a book. Uh, get Rabbi Vaya's book. But to say that, you don't scrape everything away. Just one visual look and you'll see if there's a, there's a leaf miner trail. If you don't see a leaf miner trail, it's ready to go, except for the little uh, greens on the side. You have to make sure there's no bugs in there. But as far as the celery itself, are you kidding? You don't have to do anything. Just look takes one second, not even two seconds. And and she was just, she didn't know what to do. I said to her, go to a mashkiach and stand there and ask him to, you know, you go to a big store that has a, has a good mashkiach working there and ask him to show you celery. He's making something with celery. Ask him, let me, you call him up, whatever, you want to be there, you want to see a little celery, show me a leaf miner and he'll show it to you. And if he doesn't have it then, tell him, save one and call me up. Or I'll call you and come by and see it. You see it once, you will never, ever, ever be confused again. They don't know. People just don't know. And other people say, I never saw a bug. Of course you never saw a bug. You never knew what to look for. So you never saw a bug. I agree. You never saw a bug. LMI, it was there. You just didn't see it. So, uh, you know, that's this is a different world. There, I, I think that it's not a question of nemonis, I trust you, I don't trust you. Do you know at all? That's a very different world. Let me, since the time is really going along a little too fast for me, let me just go on to uh, uh, a, a couple more questions here. Zero in on something a little later here. We mentioned the Yorah HaShulchan, so I'm going to go in there, and I'm going to tell you a little about what he does say. 
I'm going to skip a little bit the discussion between the Rashi and the Ramban. Rambam, I'm sorry. He says, the Rambam says, this is, he's explaining the Rambam now. This is the Orach HaShulchan from 1900. The Torah believes every Jew. We have an Eid Echad, Neman B'Yisurim. You could trust a Jew if he says something is kosher, if he says this is trait, this is kosher, you're allowed to trust him. But what about Echanvani Kavua? That's different. A guy who's in business, he says, he's standing there all the time selling. It's, it, it's too much of a temptation to cheat. He's going to cheat. And that's what we see. Where did we have the problems with the meat? It was a, somebody, and it wasn't usually a, a, a restaurant or something. Very rarely a restaurant. It could be a caterer. You're right. We had a, with caterers. We had with restaurants too. But the predominant problem was always in the distributor, because distributed makes a lot of money on on distributing kosher or glot kosher or whatever it is or super glot, and it, it's a temptation. It's a tremendous temptation. There was a store here in Brooklyn, one of the best that we ever saw. Was nice people, wonderful people, and I knew them very well. And they lost the hashgacha. I said, Rabbi, why did you take the hashgacha off? Because they lied. What did they do? They said they had this kind of food, this kind of meat or chicken or whatever, and they didn't have it. They didn't want to lose the customer. <sighs> she said, I couldn't continue the hashgacha. If, if they're going to lie about this, I don't know what else to do. That's it. That's a businessman. That's the businessman. A person in business? That's different. Oh, we'll eat in this house. He'll eat kosher just like you. But the temptation to take another few cents on each sale, that's a big nisayim. Because they're constantly selling, the eight Sahara of money grabs a hold of them. This is what uh, he says. This is what the Adi Orach HaShulchan explains, Pshat and the Rambam, of why we're worried about certain store owners, etc., Now, this one is definitely for one of the exciting parts of the day. And there's only a few minutes left, so we want to sneak it in. Haminag Pashat, I'm reading the Archa Shulchan. Bechol Tefut says Yisrael, all over. This is in 1900. The, the, he's writing that it's, he says it's It's the accepted way of doing things. 
in all Jewish communities. If a person comes by and we don't know that he is a properly observant Jew selling only kosher foods, and he brings wine, or he brings cheese, or he brings uh, butter, or he brings uh, flour that you could use for Pesach, and he claimed it's kosher Pesach, it was, it was a flour that was watched, or certain dried foods, or smoked meats, or things like that. Mevi imo ksav You bring a a stamp, a letter, attesting to the kashras of this food. A proper sign by rabbi, etc., etc. That was required even back in the 1900s. So I told you that Rav Moshe Feinstein used to always push Eidechad Mevisurin. And this Rav in our community, I'm going to leave his name out, told me, he said, Rav Moshe was a Shulchan Archiyat. But even in Europe, there were Vade Kashras. And we see that in the Orcha Shulchan, he says, even back in Europe, we never accepted meat from somebody or, or things like that from a person unless we had a star that was a, we call Ksav Hersher. And we go way, way, way back. Mirav Hayoshev al Ho Ro, a well known, respected rabbi who paskins Shilas and who was the head of a community. Ubiyichud Bizman Azen, especially in our days, says the Orcha Shulchan in 1900. There's a lot of apicorsis and a lot of people who are not observant. We said before that uh, meat you could eat from the person, etc. What was in ancient history, yes, you could rely on a Jew, says the Orach HaShulchan, you can't rely on a Jew to say this is kosher unless you have Ashkoch. In our times, the generation has been lowered, lessened to the, its parrots, it's uh, becoming wild, it's not observant anymore. I like those words. Whoever has Yiras Hashem touching his heart, which means he's thinking real kosher. Kol sheyiris Hashem nogeya belibo lo yochal shuman bekarkoshoshu basar muushan belok sav hersha. He won't eat these foods that are delicate issues unless it has a harshkacha. Forget about the ein lishanos and don't change from that minute. He says, "Kamoshka sav biyayin v'cholav ugvina." Like it says over there in wine and milk and cheese that you have to have a hechsher, you have to have simonim, you have to be, it has to be closed and you can't trust everybody. And he says, really, from the real din, that's what you're supposed to do. Maybe they were more makele, he says, but that was in 1567. By 1900, the Orcha Shulchan says, we have to protect ourselves. So, that, I think, wraps up the concept that we 
can't open ourselves up. It would be nice to say we could, but it's not so simple to open ourselves up. Says the Yorach HaShulchan, one more thing. If a person does one time, he does an Aveira, L'Tayavon, when, because his Yetzahara chaps him, because he has a taiva, because he's hungry, because whatever. Afal Gavshia, there's a Nifsal Eidus, Kamoshal Bechoshin Mishpat, Mikomakom Ainsar Bedikas Tzakin, Velomikri Avarian. He's not in, a, he's not in a, a, a real Avera Nicker, and therefore we don't have to say that uh, his knife is not good if he's a Shoichet. Vizel Shaomer Gambakan, the Lomikri Choshud. If it happens once, that's what the Orchot, what the Ramor was saying. If it if it was beteyavon, if it wasn't something that you're doing because you don't believe in it, but it's because you had tivus, the desires that drew you to do this avera, he says that may be so, but only if it happens one time with mikra, only occurrence. It only becomes a choshed if you do it regularly. He's obviously not taking the shop's opinion, which we mentioned earlier. The fact that you have a chapa taiva, that doesn't make you a choshed. He doesn't get called a choshed, a suspect. To fix the knife, it takes a lot of work. It could take an hour or more on a whetstone to make the knife perfect. So that a person cut my cut corners and fake it out. So there we didn't trust him. You don't call him an Avayan. So this is a you know opinion differently than than we saw in the in the in the shach over there. A person is not a tzaddik. We're all human. He's not a tzaddik. 